Uh, as, as Pastor Micah and his family are on vacation this morning, it's a joy for me to open up God's Word with you this morning. And I'd invite you to turn with me in your copy of God's Word to Psalm chapter 1. Psalm chapter 1. And if you're using a pew Bible in the rack in front of you, uh, you can find our passage on page 528. Psalm 1. And follow along as I read this psalm for us this morning. Psalm 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Let's go to the Lord in prayer, asking him to, to aid our study of his word this morning. Father God, as we uh, approach your word this morning, we ask that you would help us uh, to understand your word. That the truths of Psalm 1, that the realities that confront us in it, Lord, would, uh, that you would help us to understand not only the truth behind them, Lord, but the implications for our lives. Lord, I pray that you would give us hearts this morning that are soft to your word, that you would give us ears to listen, Lord, that your spirit would use your word to continue to work in our hearts for your glory. It's in Christ's name I pray, amen. Well, Psalm 1 begins with the word blessed, and that's not a word that you and I frequently use in our day-to-day -day conversations, but it's a word that means happy or joyful. And happiness is something that I think often is on our minds and in our conversations. A glance at the world shows us that people are desperate for happiness. An article in the Huffington Post entitled in Search of Happiness, noted that over 23,000 books exist on Amazon alone with the word happiness in their title. The author went on to say that in these books, countless experts around the world are all offering their theories, exercises, and recommendations on how we can be happy. The author said that people realize they cannot control their environment, the economy, war, or crime, but they desperately want and need to control their happiness. Happiness is, is a pursuit of so many human endeavors. 
if you think of psychology and sociology, advancements in technology and medicine, all of those endeavors are attempts to increase our happiness and our, our quality of life. And yet, we remain unhappy. From cultural surveys to studies from various medical institutions, the results show that society as a whole is unhappy. And yet, in the face of that reality, the book of Psalms opens with a declaration that genuine joy, that biblical blessedness, that true happiness is available in this world. But what we learn from Psalm 1 is that the blessed life, the genuinely happy life does not come from the circumstances around us, but rather it comes from your relationship with God. You see, Psalm 1 confronts all of us with the question of what is your relationship with God? It, Psalm 1 contains a, a sobering message that we all have to, to contemplate. The psalm shows that in life there are only two groups of people. There are two ways of living and there are two destinies. There's the way of the righteous and there's the way of the wicked. And what we quickly learn in Psalm 1 is that both of these two paths both of these paths promise happiness. Both of them promise blessing, but only one truly provides. One road leads to blessing and the other to cursing. One to salvation and the other to destruction. Psalm 1 teaches us that there is a way to live that is rightly related to God that leads to true and lasting blessing. Psalm 1 also teaches us that there is a way to live in this world disconnected from God, which leads to emptiness, disappointment, and destruction. And the question posed for us in this psalm is, on which road am I walking? And so this morning, we'll see that Psalm 1 contrast the life of the righteous and the life of the wicked to show that true and lasting happiness is found by following God's word. True and lasting happiness is found by following God's word. And first in verses one and two, we see a contrast between the direction of the righteous and the direction of the wicked. Look at verses one and two. Begins, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. Verse one begins, blessed is the man. Again, this, this term means happy and joyful, but it's, it's not a happiness or a joy based on our external circumstances. It's not a happiness or a joy that's based on what I have and what I can get out of life, but rather it's a happiness and a joy based on internal realities. The word refers to joyful 
the joyful spiritual condition of those who have a right relationship with God and the pleasure and the satisfaction that is derived from that relationship. Psalm 1 focuses on the, the spiritual state of the blessed. And this is so important to see because Psalm 1 describes how the, the blessed man lives. Psalm 1 describes how we would live if we would live a, a blessed life. It begins, rather, with who the blessed man believes in and whom we must trust if we would live a blessed life. And we can see this as we look at Psalm 1 and Psalm 2 together. Psalm 1 and Psalm 2 form a literary unit. And most commentators see these two psalms as, as one single introduction to the book of Psalms. And the reason that, that you can see these psalms go together, the most simple reason, is that both of these psalms begin and end on the same note with a promise of blessing. Psalm 1 begins with an announcement that the man who lives the Psalm 1 kind of life will be blessed. And then Psalm 2 concludes with a statement of blessing. Psalm 2 verse 12, it ends with, blessed are all who take refuge in him. The psalmist says that the blessed life is had by those who become the Psalm 1 kind of man and who live the Psalm 1 kind of life because they have trusted in God's anointed king, because they have taken refuge in the Son. You see, living a blessed, genuinely happy life begins by believing in the Lord Jesus Christ and, and trusting in his finished work on the cross for salvation. Again, this blessedness has nothing truly to do with external realities to what is going on around us. This Psalm 1 blessing is based on our relationship with God. And so the, the foundation for a blessed life is a right relationship with God. The reality is you cannot live a blessed life without being united to Christ by the gospel. And then in the remainder of verse 1, the psalmist explains what a blessed life looks like. And the direction of the blessed life is described in both positive and negative terms. And if, and, and if we would live a blessed life, the psalmist says there are first, in verse 1, three things we must not do. Verse 1 promises a blessing on the man who does not do three things. And then verse 2 transitions to what the blessed man does. And so as we're looking at these two verses, if we would desire to live a blessed life, then, then these characteristics are what we must strive to imitate. And the first characteristic is found in verse 1. The 
righteous man, the blessed man, is known first by what he does not do. Here, the direction of the blessed life is first distinguished from the world. Here we see the the contrast between the direction of the righteous and the direction of the wicked. The righteous man is described by, by what he shuns, by what he does not do. There's something you must not do if you would experience blessing in this life. Look at verse one. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. Notice first that this blessed man does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. If you would be genuinely happy in this life, you must not walk in the counsel of the wicked. And when we hear that term wicked, I think we immediately think of the worst person we can imagine. We think of someone who is extra bad. But throughout the Old Testament, that term wicked is is used in a more broad sense. This term wicked is used to speak of, of any thought, intent, or action that displeases God. And when the Bible speaks of someone as, as wicked, it, it refers to someone whose life is displeasing to God or someone who, who does not have a relationship with God. In other words, the wicked are unbelievers. And so to live a blessed life, you must not walk in the counsel of the wicked. And and counsel, we we understand that term. It it speaks of advice. And specifically here, it it speaks of advice concerning the moral way that we live. That, That phrase walk, it signifies how we live our lives. It signifies uh, what we do and what we say. So to live a blessed life, the psalmist says, you must not live your life based on the advice of unbelievers. You must not adopt the world's way of thinking. And while this may seem like an easy enough principle, like, oh yeah, okay, I can live my life not under the advice of the wicked, this requires diligence. And the reason for that is because every day you are inundated by worldly advice. You constantly receive input from this world like like a liquid IV attached to your arm from those who are not rightly related to God. We're constantly receiving advice from the world telling us how to think, how to love, how to feel, and how to act. And if we would live a, a genuinely blessed life, a life of true and lasting happiness, we must not heed the advice of the wicked. We must not follow the world's advice. And so as we live our lives, the question that we have to ask ourselves is, from whom are we seeking advice? Who are we being influenced by? Whose counsel are we seeking out? Are, are we seeking out the counsel of, of God's word? Are we looking for godly counselors who will give us instruction based on his word so that we may not walk in the counsel of the wicked? Or are we listening to the world's advice? 
You see, the blessed person, the psalmist says, is distinguished from the world in that the direction of their life is not influenced by ungodly counsel. And not only must you not walk in the counsel of the wicked, but second, you must not stand in the way of sinners. And if you notice here, there's a, there's a progression in this psalm from walking to standing to eventually sitting. That word sin, it means to, to miss the mark of God's standard. A sinner is someone who, whether intentionally or ignorantly, goes astray from God, who does not know God and who does not follow God. And the word stand, it means to halt and to consider. The way, uh, the way here refers to the sinner's behavior and practices. It refers to their actions and their way of life. And so the psalmist says that true biblical blessedness comes from not standing in the way of sinners. Well, what does he mean? What's, what's going on here? He's saying you must not stop and consider the way of sinners. You must not stop and, and look at their life and be tempted to participate in their lifestyle. You must not look at their way and say, you know what, I'm going to join you. Here, it's, it's the idea, if you think about it, of window shopping, right? You're walking through the mall or down a street of stores. You're talking with someone you know and, and immediately something catches your eye and, and you come over to it and you're intrigued by it and you're enticed by it and then soon you buy it. And what the psalmist is, is saying here is you must not stand in the way of sinners. You must not consider their way. You must not let their way entice you such that you buy their way of life. Here the question you must ask yourself is what kind of lives, what lifestyles am I exposing myself to? Is the music I'm listening to, the, the movies I'm watching, the, the people that I'm spending time with, are they causing me to consider the sinner's ways and thus be tempted to participate in their lifestyle? Or am I distinguished from the world, right? In contrast, in stark contrast to the unrighteous, the blessed person is distinguished from the world, is separated from the world, in that the direction of their life is not characterized by the way or the lifestyle of sinners. They live a different kind of life. And the psalmist says you must not only avoid the advice of unbelievers, you must not only consider or participate in their lifestyle, but notice also in verse one, that last phrase, the blessed person does not sit in the seat of scoffers. Walking leads to standing and standing leads to sitting. Again, you see this progression, this snowball effect. You see, once you begin to, to listen to the advice of the wicked and once you begin to consider their lifestyle, it's only a short step bef before you find yourself sitting in the seat of scoffers. 
A scoffer is someone who, who ridicules the righteous. A scoffer is someone who not only participates in wickedness, who not only lives in rebellion to God, but they begin to, to mock it. Oh, you believe that's morality? You, you think people can't live that way? How dare you? And so to sit in the seat of scoffers is, is not only to uh, identify yourself with them, but it's to join in their activities. But, but notice also in this progression that the, the lure, the enticement of the wicked doesn't normally appear in its grossest form. You see, in these three descriptions of unrighteousness, there is a growing intensity from the counsel of the wicked to the way of sinners to, to the seat of scoffers. That, that scoffer term is, is really the most uh, elevated of them. It's the grossest form of unrighteousness. And so what we see is what might start as, as a harmless bit of advice, what might start as, as a, just a small worldly perspective on my situation may end with disastrous results. And this lure of the wicked, it, it oftentimes comes from, from neighbors, coworkers, friends, things that were we're listening to media we consume, and it's often a subtle message, right? Well, if, if you don't think a certain way, you'll not be considered intelligent. If you don't live a certain kind of life, or if you don't embrace a certain kind of life, you won't be thought of as cool, Notice here that there is a, a warning for us. This progression in this verse shows that when you begin to take advice from unbelievers, when you begin to take guidance from the wicked instead of God, you gradually begin to live like the world and before you know it, you're entangled to it. And so the direction of the blessed life is first characterized by the fact that it's distinguished from the world. The blessed life is, is different from the life of the wicked. And now in verse two, we see that the blessed life is presented positively. In verse one, we saw three things that the blessed person does not do. And then in verse two, the psalmist focuses in and shows us the one thing, the main characteristic that the blessed man does do. Look at verse two. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. Here we see that the direction of the blessed life is devoted to God's word. Verse two describes what the blessed man does and why he does it. And if you look, the why is stated first. He says his delight is in the law of the Lord. The word law here, it means teaching and instruction. And as we see throughout the Psalms, that the word law refers to, to scripture as a whole, all that God has said in his word. 
And so the blessed man finds joy in God's word because he, he loves God and he, he wants to learn how to please God and, and praise God. Here, a love for God manifests itself in a love for his word. Our love for God, note that. Your love for God will manifest itself in your love for God's word. And the psalmist's delight for God's word leads him, verse 2, uh, to meditate day and night, to think about it constantly. And that word meditate, it means to mutter, to repeat something. And, and as you repeat it, you memorize it. You're able to recall it to mind. And we all know what it's like to, to mutter. It's like when you go to a store or a restaurant and they tell you the code to the bathroom. And from the counter where you received the code to the bathroom where you have to punch in like four to six digits, you're just constantly muttering it. Two, four, five, nine, two, four, five, nine, two, four, five, nine. You're like, I don't want to forget it. And that's the, the idea of, of meditating here on God's word. The idea of biblical meditation is the repetition of God's word so that my heart would be filled with God's word so that I can think about God's word, that I can recall it to mind and I can apply it to God's life whenever I need, constantly, day and night. And as you meditate on God's word, it forms the, the basis for your conduct. Because you see here in verse two, the law of the Lord stands opposed to the counsel of the wicked. If I walk in the counsel of the wicked, I soon find myself sitting in the seat of scoffers. But if my delight is in the law of the Lord, then how I live my life will please and honor the Lord. See, the truth of Psalm 1 is whatever really shapes our thinking shapes our lives. Whatever shapes your thinking will shape your life. The reality is that you're going to take your signals from somewhere. And if you want to live a blessed life, you must take your cues, you must take your direction from God's word rather than the counsel of the wicked. Psalm 1 teaches us that there are only two ways to live. There is the life of the righteous and there is the life of of the wicked. And so as you look at the direction of the blessed life in verses one and two, you have to ask yourself, is my life characterized by following the counsel of the wicked or by following the law of the Lord? And if this morning you realize that, that your life is based on, is, is following after the counsel of the wicked, then this psalm is here for you to see where your life is heading, to see the, the way of the wicked leads to destruction and to encourage you and to point you to confess your sins and to turn to God in faith so that you can be forgiven of your sins, so that you can experience a blessed life in communion with God. And dear Christian, May this text encourage you and edify you and convict you even 
this day. Because Psalm 1 is a wisdom psalm. It's supposed to act uh, more like a proverb than, than many of the other psalms that may come to your mind. And so this psalm is trying to encourage you and direct you to pursue greater godliness and greater devotion to God's word in Psalm or in 2023. If, if I want to live a blessed life, if I want to live a life that glorifies and honors God, then I must walk in the counsel of God's word instead of the wicked. And if this morning you look at the description of the blessed man in Psalm 1, dear Christian, and you feel a burden because you have not lived up to this standard perfectly, remember the gospel. Begin 2023 remembering the gospel because the truth of the gospel is there has only ever been one man who never walked in the counsel of the wicked who never stood in the path of sinners, who never sat in the seat of scoffers. There has only ever been one man absolutely separate from sin, and that man is Jesus Christ. And the good news of the gospel is that Jesus lived the perfect life you and I could not live, that Jesus died the death that we deserve. And now, by God's grace, we strive not to walk in the counsel of the wicked, not in order to, to earn salvation, but as a result of God's work in our lives, in, in our desire to live obediently to his word. And, and when, not if, but when we fall short, we run to the cross of Christ for forgiveness. We run to Jesus who, who 1 John says, will cleanse us of all unrighteousness. And then after contrasting the direction of the righteous with the direction of the wicked, the psalmist moves to contrast the, the fruit of the righteous with the fruit of the wicked. Look at verses three and four. It says, he, the, the blessed man, is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. But the wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. In verses three and four, we move from what the blessed man does to the fruits of his lifestyle. Here we see a contrast in fruitfulness. The, the blessed person is like a tree planted by streams of water that, that yields fruit, that bears fruit in its season. Here the imagery is of a tree in a dry climate, like, like Israel, like the Middle East. And yet this tree nevertheless thrives because it's constant supply of water. The tree represents the, the individual and the water represents the, the word of God. And just as the water causes the tree to yield fruit, so the psalmist says here that the, the word of God causes the blessed man to grow spiritually. If a tree is, is being watered, it will show proper growth. And, and so likewise, as believers are in the world, word, they will produce righteousness. You see, dear Christian, we will not grow 
spiritually. We will not prosper apart from regular intake of God's word, apart from reading his word and asking the spirit to sanctify us through his word. God uses his word to sanctify. And notice, not only does this tree produce fruit, what does it say? It says the tree prospers. It says this tree flourishes such that its leaf does not wither. This tree doesn't escape the reality that there are various seasons in life. Some are hot, some are cold, some are are filled with storms and others are dry. And yet despite the various seasons, this tree does not wither though others may. You see, the blessed person is not a person who escapes the troubles and trials of life. The blessed person is not exempt from disappointment, pain, and sorrow. Rather, the the blessed person spiritually prospers in whatever season of life they are in. Why? Because they are firmly planted in God's word. You see, as you delight and meditate on God's word, regardless of your external circumstances, you can flourish, you can bear much fruit in obedience to the Lord. But then in verse four, the fruitfulness of the blessed man's lifestyle is contrasted with the fruitlessness of the wicked man's lifestyle. Verse four, the wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Literally, the, the text here says, not so the wicked. It's a stark contrast. The psalmist is trying to get you to stop and look up and see how different these two pictures are. Remember, the psalmist is trying to show you here's one way of life and here's the other way of life and look at how different they are and choose the, the blessed life. Are the ungodly blessed? No. Are they genuinely happy? No. Are they prosperous and fruitful in God's eyes? No. Instead, they're like chaff. The wind drives away. The psalmist here compares the the unbeliever to chaff, to the the worthless husks that, that must be separated from the grain. During the harvest time, the heads of wheat would be crushed. And then on the sifting floor, what what they would do is that they would be tossed in the air so that the wind would carry away the, the light chaff, these useless kernels, or excuse me, the, the useless chaff and the kernels would, would drop to the ground. And so in contrast to the tree that prospers, the tree that produces fruit, the wicked are like a hollow shell that does not produce. While the life of the wicked promises blessing and happiness, it's like the Proverbs, while the life of the wicked says, come, uh, come and come with us and come do this thing and, and we'll get something out of it. It doesn't produce. Its way leads to death. It's only the way of the righteous, the psalmist says, that prospers. 
You see, the ungodly life, the psalmist says, is worthless and is fruitless. And this makes this warning to avoid the advice of the wicked all the more serious, all the more compelling. Because while it may seem enticing at first, look at where it leads. There's a lesson here, even in in fighting our temptation and sin in our lives. Because the promise of sin, the temptation to sin, is if you do this, you'll find happiness. If you do this, you'll find joy. You'll find satisfaction. You'll feel good about yourself. You'll feel empowered. But the result of that decision is like chaff that the wind drives away. So the psalmist says, examine the path you're on and choose the path of blessedness. Choose the path that provides spiritual blessing and prosperity. And then not only is the chaff of no value, but verse 4 says that it will also one day be removed. It will also one day be removed. So we've seen a a contrast in direction and a contrast in, in fruitfulness And then finally, in verses five and six, we see a contrast in in destiny. We see a contrast in destiny. Look at verses five and six. It says, therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. The therefore in verse five connects it with verse four. The, and since the wicked are like chaff, which the wind drives away, verse five says, the wicked will be separated from the righteous. And notice even what the psalmist is doing here. In verse one, the blessed man is told to separate himself from the wicked. In verse five, the wicked will be separated by God from the righteous. In verse one, the the blessed man is told not to stand in the way of sinners. And in verse five, we're told that the wicked man will not be able to stand in the in the council, in the community, in the congregation of the righteous. There's a separation that's happening here. The two ways, the two paths, the two destinies, the image is getting starker and starker of the separation that exists between these two paths. Psalm makes clear that there will be a future day of judgment. The wicked, it says, will not be able to stand in the judgment. Sinners will not be able to withstand God's holy scrutiny on that day of judgment when they stand before a holy, perfect, and righteous judge who must punish sin. The psalmist says they will not stand. Their case does not stand up in God's court of law. Rather, The wicked will not stand in judgment, but they will, verse 6, perish. As a result, sinners will not stand, it says, in the congregation of the righteous. 
the sinner is excluded from this joyful fellowship of the saints. And the implication here in verse 5 is that the blessed man, in contrast to the wicked man, the blessed man will stand in the judgment. The blessed man will stand in the congregation of the righteous. He's avoided the counsel of the wicked. And because of that, because of his right relationship with God, because of how he has lived, because of what path he has chosen, he'll stand in the congregation of the righteous. But why will the wicked not stand in the congregation of the righteous? Because the Lord does not know them. Look at verse 6. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. The righteous will stand in the judgment because the Lord knows them. And this word knows is more than simply knowledge, right? God knows all things. God can search the intentions of our hearts. And one day we will stand before God in judgment and he knows all things. Rather, this this word know, it's the idea that God knows us with affection and care and approval. It's, it's an intimate knowledge. The Lord knows the righteous in a, in a loving, in a personal, in, a, in an intimate way. He knows us and he cares for us. And because we have been saved by his grace, because we have been justified by faith, because of his saving and sanctifying work in our lives, we can praise God because verses five and six make clear that the destiny of the blessed man, the destiny of the one who puts their faith in Christ, who's forgiven of their sins, is in heaven, worshiping God in the congregation of the righteous. But verse 6 says that the wicked will not perish. While God knows everything about the wicked and will judge their every thought, word, deed, and action. He does not know them with affection, care, and approval. They do not have a saving relationship with God. And as a result, verse 6, they will perish. They will perish. Before God, they will stand in judgment and their case will not stand before him. Friends, this is again a stark contrast between the blessed. We see that there are two different individuals. There are two paths that they go on and they lead to two destinies and those two destinies could not be more different. As we look at at this psalm, Psalm 1 begins, blessed is the man. It begins with a blessing. And verse 6 ends with perish. The way of the wicked will perish. And these two ways here are stated in the clearest of terms. That those who, who put their faith in God, those who follow after God's word, will be blessed. They will experience true and lasting happiness. Not necessarily a, a, a prosperity in life, but a spiritual fruitfulness because of their relationship with God. But those who follow the counsel of the wicked will perish. Look at 
And these are only the only two paths. The psalmist says there are only two paths in life. There is not a third in between. We do not get to choose our own adventure, if you will. There's a path of ruin and misery and there's a path of delighting in the law of the Lord. There's a path of being known by the living God. And this psalm shows us that the way you take it determines the destiny that you reach. Friends, think about these two groups. Think about these two paths and think about the destiny of each. And again, the question that we began with is the question we conclude with. The psalmist wants you to ask yourself, which road am I on? And if you do not know the Lord Jesus Christ, if you do not believe that you're a Christian, if you have not put your faith in Christ this morning, then this psalm urges you to consider that the way you are on leads to perishing. The way of the wicked will perish. You see, the whole psalm really is a blessing in that it contrasts these two paths so that you'll see the final outcome of the way of the wicked and you'll turn to the Lord. You'll cry out to him for salvation. You will experience this true and lasting happiness. And as believers, Psalm 1 is, is a blessing because Psalm 1 provides us an opportunity to examine our lives, right? As we think about 2023, as we think about New Year's, there's often a lot of talk about our goals, about what we want to accomplish, about how we want to change from how we lived last year to how we live this year. And Psalm 1 provides us an excellent opportunity to examine our lives in light of these characteristics of the blessed man and by God's grace, strive to grow more and more into a Psalm 1 man or woman. To set my goal for the year to be one who delights in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his word day and night. To be the type of person who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked who walks according to God's word, and not only that, but who points others in the same direction. And the result of all of it, striving to live after these characteristics, devoting ourselves to his word, is that we may experience true and lasting satisfaction and happiness, biblical blessedness, because of our relationship with God. Friends, there are only two ways to live. There are only two paths. And the question you must ask yourself is which path am I on? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, as we come before you, even this morning, reflecting on this psalm, Lord, what an amazing truth that we have that we experience this blessed life because of salvation in Christ. 
Lord, it is our desire as we look at these characteristics that we would grow into men and women who do not walk in the counsel of the wicked, who follow after you, who delight in the law of the Lord and who meditate on it day and night. But Lord, we're also mindful of our failures and of our sin. And so even this morning as we come before the Lord's table, Lord, prepare our hearts that we may come to you open and honestly, even reflecting on your word. And Father, it is my prayer that if there are those who do not know you this morning, Lord, who are walking in the counsel of the wicked, that they may see even your grace from this text, that there is biblical blessing to be had in a relationship with you in turning from sin and putting our faith in you because you are a God who loves to save sinners. Father, help us now as we enter this new year to live lives that reflect this psalm and to bring you glory in all that we think, do, and say. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.